church say amen. amen oh come on church say amen. amen all right who needs a lesson raise your hand if you need a lesson we want to make sure everybody gets a lesson we're running around and and no i'm good i'm good anybody need a lesson raise your hand who's getting them spread out who's helping brother dustin need some help right here in the middle right here in the middle all right my runners where's my runners at there we go jeremy Anybody else? Anybody else? Raise your hand if you need a lesson. Raise your hand over here, right behind you, Dustin. Right behind you, Dustin. All right, right in the middle. Right in the middle. Miss one. Miss two. There we go. All right. Grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles. Turn with me to Philippians chapter number two. Lord's willing, we are going to finish up chapter number two tonight. It's going to be good. Going to be good. Going to be good. Isn't it good to be saved? How many of y'all feel like you've been run over by a truck with all this pollen? <sighs> you know, I, I, I love spring, but I, I'm, I think I'm, I'm rethinking this whole spring thing. Amen? My soul. All right, Philippians chapter number 2. Philippians chapter number 2. We're going to look in verse number 19. So far, we've covered verses 1 through 17, or 18, and we're going to now cover verses 19. We're going to finish up the chapter. Uh, it says, are we there yet? Is everybody there? All right, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, Timothy, we know Timothy, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Well, that verse 21 there is a lot different than verse 21 of chapter 1. Chapter 1 says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In chapter 1, we find a, a mind in a, in a thought process that's all about Christ and serving others. In, in 21, in chapter 2, it's, it, we see a people that is selfish, that is looking more to their own needs and to the needs of others. It says in verse 22, But ye know the proof of him, that as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. Him therefore I hope to send presently, so soon, uh, so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Yet I suppose it necessary to send unto you Epaphroditus, my brother, and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness, because ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh to death. He almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully, that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice, and that I may be the less uh, sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation. Because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for an opportunity <clears throat> to study an opportunity to read your word. 
an opportunity to spend time and, and just kind of disconnect from the world, disconnect from the, the trouble out there, disconnect from the, the atmosphere, disconnect from, Lord, the, the total anti-God mentality of this world. And we can come into this refuge, into the sanctuary, where we can join together with brothers and sisters in Christ and, and be refreshed and be energized and encouraged and edified and and God, I pray that when we leave here, we'll leave different than when we came. I pray that we'll leave lifted up. I pray that we'll leave uh, strengthened. I pray that we will leave challenged, Lord, to be what you'd have us to be. And God, I'll praise you and thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to take your Bibles and hold your, hold your, your, your hand right there in Philippians chapter number 2. And flip over into the book of James, a little further down in your New Testament. Uh, uh, flip over to the book of James in chapter number 5. <clears throat> James chapter number 5. I want to read a verse to kind of set, set the table for what we're studying today. And while you're turning there and looking that up, it's almost to the end for you that are still looking. Amen. Hebrews, James, all right? Uh, uh, here's, here's one thing that when, when we're studying, when we're studying the Bible, especially when we're studying challenging scriptures and challenging, uh, topics and, and things that, that, that we really have to step up our game and step up, uh, our Christian walk and, 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 and this type of thing. Sometimes, sometimes uh, y'all, y'all remember that phrase we use a lot around here as easy preaching, but. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we run over chapters and we run over scriptures that, that, that are just intimidating and, and they're challenging and we think, man, we'll never be able to live up to that or we'll, we'll never be able to accomplish that. Or we'll, we'll, you know, that's just, when I was growing up, when I was growing up as a kid, uh, we, went to, we went to Sunday school and we went to Bible school and all that kind of stuff and, and, and I, went, I went when they had flannel graph. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The flannel graph? Man, they got 3D, HD, everything nowadays. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. But back when I was going, they had flannel graph. You had a little picture, and you had the little, the little figure, and, and you stuck it, to the, stuck it to the flannel graph board, and then you told the story. And, and, and I remember, as a little kid, looking at people like, uh, uh, people like Elijah. You know, Elijah standing on Mount Carmel, calling fire down from heaven, and just, uh, you know, just an unbelievable man. And think about... People like Samuel, you know, uh, one, of, one of the greatest prophets Israel ever had. And, and even going over into the New Testament, thinking about John Baptist and thinking about Peter and Paul and, and all the stuff that they did. And, and, and I, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, I'll never live up to that. Or that's like, that's like a super Christian, you know. I mean, that's not normal people. I, I, you know, normal people can't do that. Normal, because I, I, I'm... And then, and then you look at one of the things we had to do in Christian school, we had to read Christian biographies. How many of y'all have ever read a Christian biography? Didn't it make you feel like garbage? And you, you say, what do you mean? When you read, and I know they're not going to write a biography about a sorry Christian, amen? So every Christian biography is about this great Christian who did this incredible work and, you know, and just seen thousands say, like, man, the more I read them worse i feel i think i can't ever live up to that that's a super christian 
You know, that's one of them special ones. I sat in a, I sat in a, in a church when I was in Bible college. <clears throat> most of you, most everybody in here comes from a small church, or you, you're affiliated, or you have a familiarity with with a small church kind of ministry mentality. And and I did. I, I come from a small church, and I remember sitting in that church first time, first time I was there, and sitting in that big old auditorium. And, and, and that auditorium was about the size of our old auditorium, so it was really smaller, way smaller than what we're at now. And, and it would hold about 500, and I'm sitting in this 500-seat auditorium looking around, and in my mind I'm thinking, boy, this is just for special people. You know, just thinking that, that this is so unattainable, and, 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 and you know, there's, there's, like, there's like Christians, and then there's like Christians. Now, I'm being real vulnerable right here. Y'all with me or not? Am I, am, am I, have you ever felt that way? You know, that you know, there's a level of Christians and then there, you know, there's where I am, somewhere right, you know. Well, this is gonna help us. This chapter, when I was looking at this, this is really gonna help us. And I want to go over to James chapter number uh five in verse number seventeen. <clears throat> in James five, and we're gonna go right back over to Philippians, okay? James chapter five in verse seventeen. He's talking about prayer. James is talking about prayer and the importance of prayer and the power of prayer. And he brings up, he brings up the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. The prophet that John Baptist was going to come in the spirit of Elijah. Are y'all with me? Yeah. Greatest prophet in the Old Testament. Elijah, now watch what, watch what James says about the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. Elijah, or Elias, was a man subject to like passions as we are. Now, let me translate that. Here in Alabama, we say this. He put his britches on just like we do. He's just a man. The writer of the Scripture is trying to tell us there's nothing supernatural about this guy. There's, no, there's nothing super Christian about this guy. He's no, he is no better than any other guy. He's not, God didn't give him a, a special extra something that he didn't give nobody else. He's just a man. If that makes sense, say amen. Watch. He's a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Now that dude could pray. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Now before he told you, how powerful his prayer was, he told you how plain his person was. Are you, are you following me? You say, why are you saying all this stuff? Okay, in the first few verses of this chapter, chapter 2, Philippians chapter number 2, Paul is appealing, and now if you're, if you're new, if you're new uh, to this, the Philippian study we are doing, it's on joy. The subject is joy. The first chapter... The first chapter was about having the single mind, a focused mind, a mind that was primarily on the will of God. We were focused on others, the needs of others, and serving Christ and serving other people. And this chapter is a submissive mind, a submissive mind. He is primarily teaching in this chapter that we need to learn to submit to the will of God. We need to learn to submit to being a blessing to others. In other words, don't always think about yourself. Look what he says. Look what he says. Verses, verse number uh, 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, 
But in lowliness of mind, say that with me, but in lowliness of mind, and that means humility. Lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now, how many of y'all will agree with me tonight that that is totally not what's going on in our culture today? I mean, if you do this, if you practice these two verses in the world that we live in today, you are, you are, I mean, diametrically opposed to the flow of what's happening in this world. You are swimming completely upstream to what this world is all about. This world is all about self. This world is about their own. Are y'all with me? Now watch, now watch. And we know that. We have to live in it. We have to work in it. We have to go to school in that kind of mentality, that kind of atmosphere. So he's saying, learn to be different. Learn to be selfless. Learn to submit. Learn, excuse me. Learn to put others first. Right? Right? Now, now, so he put a big challenge out there. He put a big challenge out there for everybody. And then, and then, not only did he put the big challenge out there, he had to throw the what would Jesus do on us. He goes in the next verse, verses, uh, verses uh, 5, verses 5 through verse number uh, uh, 11. He just goes and says, let me tell you how Jesus was. You know, in all these verses, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, being in the form of God. All all right. You know, all the way down, look what Jesus did. He was God and he became man. Not only did he become man, he humbled himself and he served. He humbled himself and he washed feet. He humbled himself and he fed the hungry. He humbled himself and he served people that wouldn't even love him back. He humbled himself and he blessed people that would betray him. He humbled himself and, he, and, and not only did he humble himself and became obedient unto death, he became obedient unto the death of the cross. And you know what we're thinking? Wow. How are we going to do that? And then... And then, after he tells us all about Jesus and how we're supposed to be like Jesus and how Jesus was, and, and, and we're thinking, how are we going to live up to all that? Then he goes on to say, mind your own business. You remember last week? How many of y'all remember last week? Y'all here? He said, work out your own salvation. He said, serve the Lord. Do what... Because you remember, you remember, if you, if you have been in this... Thank you, Doc. If you have been in this thing very long, you understood that in this letter, Paul is dealing with people who are arguing. He is dealing with people who are not getting along in the house of God. And, and so he is encouraging them here. He, I, believe, I believe in that, those particular verses there, in verses 12 uh, through 17, that he is primarily dealing with these individuals. And he said, look, serve God. Put him first. You're, you're a witness in a crooked and perverse nation. And, and so... So here he has the challenge even gets greater. So now we come to the last part of the, the last part of the book. And this is where this is where I think that we can really take a breath and say, because he gives us two examples. He gives us Timothy and Epaphroditus, and I don't know if I'm saying this right. I, I've listened to it on my Bible app, and I think I'm saying this right. But if I'm not, do the best you can. Say amen. We'll say Mr. E. How about it? <clears throat> he gives these two people. He gives these two people. One, we'll talk about Timothy first, and we'll describe him and his life and his ministry and who he was. 
and, and I love Timothy. I'm telling you, I love me some Timothy because he's shy and he's nervous. Timid. A timid guy. But he's a leader. So I can, I can relate to him. Then, then we got a guy who's really fearless. Mr. E. He, he's willing to risk his life. He was sick nine to death. And when he was sick nine to death, he wasn't even concerned the fact that he was sick. He was concerned that people knew that he was sick and was worried about him. Don't we know some people like that? Isn't it amazing? We have family members that they'll get down and we're worried about them and they're worried because we're worried. That's Mr. E. So here you have two examples. Paul's in this, basically, here's what we're going to do. Paul's saying this, I, I, I know I threw the challenge out there, and I know I gave you some big shoes to fill, and I know I gave you big responsibilities in, 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 in denying yourself and, and submitting and humbling yourself, esteeming others greater than yourself, and this is a big deal. And I, I gave you Jesus as a prime example, and, and, and I told you how important it was because you are lights in a crooked world, and, and you, need to be, you need to be blameless without rebuke. And, and so you can, you can have your testimony. You don't need to be fussing and arguing and carrying on because you, you'll cause harm. But then he, then he follows it up with what we're going to study tonight. Let me tell you about two great examples. Let's not use Jesus this time. Jesus may seem to be a little too unattainable. Let's use some normal people. One of the coolest, one of the coolest uh, flattery that we ever received this weekend is a family that came and said, when we would go by and we'd see that big old church, we thought y'all were uppity. That's exact, that was exact words. And I said, and you found out we was a bunch of rednecks, didn't you? <laughs> and they said, you're normal. So how many of y'all will join me for a few minutes and study somebody normal? Say, so why is this important? Because we can do this. We can do this. We can do what the Bible says we can do. I don't care how great a Christian or how sorry a Christian you think you are, what level of Christian you think you are, this is doable. You have two people who have totally different characteristics, but they were able to accomplish what Paul is saying in the first part of the chapter. If that makes sense, say amen. All right, now, one thing I want you to see, the word servant. <clears throat> the word servant uh, is found 82 times in the New Testament. Say that with me. It's found... 82 times in the, in the New Testament. Jesus came as a servant, and he wants us to be a servant. He wants us to develop a servant's heart. He wants us to have a servant's mind. He wants us to have a servant's mentality. He wants us to learn to serve others. The more like Christ we become, the more serving we will become. Are y'all with me? The Bible says that in Romans 8, 28 and eight twenty nine, it says all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, them that are called according to his purpose. His purpose and other words. Everything that happens to you forms you and molds you and, and, and develops you into His purpose. What is His purpose? The very next verse. For whom He did foreknow, He did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. 
And when you see the apostles and when you see the gospel writers, you will find a word over and over and over. They call themselves all the time the servant of Jesus Christ. And that's what we are. That's what we need to be. Amen? So, write this down. Number one, I want you to see Timothy the servant. Timothy the servant. How many of you... How many of you remember about three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, when I said how you can tell if you have a servant's heart or not? How many of y'all remember that little test? I said it right at the end of the study. Does anybody remember it? How many of you don't remember it? It's okay. Raise your hand. All right. This is what I said. You can know, you can know if you have a servant's heart by how you respond when people treat you like a servant. You can know if you have a servant's heart by how, in other words, when people treat you like a servant, do you get angry? Do you get upset? Let me tell you what happened to me. How many of y'all know every time you learn something in the house of God, God will test you that week? I was going right after this. I'm talking about right after this. It, it, it might have been the morning after. It might have been Thursday. I was going to the post office. Tammy, Tammy had something she wanted me to mail off, and, and so I'm going to the post office, and, and I'm walking up to the door. <clears throat> and I mean, I could have been in the door a long time before, but I saw a lady. Uh, uh, she was kind of talking to herself out by her car, and she didn't get a receipt or something that she wanted or something. She turned around. She, I seen she was going to head back. So I said, well, I'll just wait, and I'll hold the door open for her. And, and, and it was like a double door if you've been in the post office, the one up in, in, in uh, Vinemont. You have the, the, the immediate door, and then you go in like this little open area, and then you got the door going in there. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? So I sit in there, and I, and I hold the door open and say, how you doing? She never, she never acknowledged my existence. Just walked right on by me, didn't say a word, and I thought, well. And so I walked in behind. She opened the door and let it slam before I could get in. I thought I ought to bust you right in the back. Man, I'm telling you what. I hold the door for you, and you don't even say thank you, and then you won't hold the door. I, I know y'all are a lot better Christians than I am. And I'm telling you, God is my witness. God is my witness. The Holy Spirit said, hey, Mr. Servant. I'm like, oh, man. How many of y'all have learned a lesson in here and gone out and failed the test before? <clears throat> Yeah. Are we really a servant? I mean, are we, do, have we developed a servant's heart at temple? We got to. If we're going to be like Jesus, we have to. All right? Now watch. In Timothy's experience, we learn. Now this is the cool part. This is the cool part. Everybody pay attention right here. In Timothy's experience, we learn that the submissive mind is not something that suddenly, automatically appears in the life of the believer. Timothy had to develop and cultivate the mind of Christ. I want you to underline that in your notes. Underline that in your notes. Timothy had to develop and cultivate the mind of Christ. It was not natural for him to be a servant. But as he walked with the Lord and worked with Paul, he became this kind of servant that Paul could trust and could could bless. Now here's what I want you to get from this. When we talk about the subject of joy, Man, you announced it on Sunday. We're going we're to talk about joy. We're going to teach about joy. 
Man, everybody wants that. The whole place, it was packed in here. You remember? I mean, right after we announced the subject, joy. We're going to teach on how to have joy. Well, everybody in the world came. I want to know how to have joy. And then the first thing we said is you got to be sold out, completely committed to Christ. Oh. I didn't want that. I wanted joy. And then we started learning some stuff. In order to have joy, I have to be single-minded. I have to be sold out to Christ. My whole focus, I can, I, my whole focus has to be on the will of God and serving, serving others. You didn't say nothing about serving others. You said joy. <laughs> and and so, so we start learning even tougher stuff we're going to have to do. Not only to have to have the single mind, we have to have the submissive mind. You mean I got to think more of others than I think of myself? And here's what some of us did. And I'll tell you, they did it. They completely checked out. And they're not coming back. And, and the sad thing is, is the reason they checked out is because they said, well, I can't do that. And, and they thought, they thought that a couple of fancy sermons is going to change their life from what it's been for years and years and years. And they're going, to, they're, going to, they're going to hear a couple inspirational thoughts, and now they're going to be, start to be happy the rest of their life. And, and, and those that, you, that stuck it out have realized, man, this is some tough stuff, but guess what? But preacher, I'm not some... All right, you know what I learned the other day? I'm not quite there. And so what do we do? You keep coming. You keep learning. We keep studying. We keep reading. We keep praying and asking God to help us. And God will keep giving us tests. And people will keep walking in without saying thank you. Until one day, you're going to walk in and they're going to cuss you out. And you're going to say, God bless you. Because you've developed a servant's heart. And when we develop that servant's heart, that's when we start experiencing real joy. You say, how is this going to help me? Because you're going to know that's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take effort. And it's going to take work. And it's going to take keeping, keeping on showing up, keeping on reading your Bible, keeping on taking those. That's not good English, but y'all get my point. Yes, Amen? We find <clears throat> several verses here that describe him. First time we really see him is in Acts chapter 16. Paul, on his first missionary journey, uh, uh, he really meets uh, uh, Timothy, but then he hears more specifically about him in chapter number 16. Then came he, this is in your notes right here, Acts 16. Then came he to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there, named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek, <clears throat> which was well reported of by the brethren, that were at Lystra and Iconium. In other words, he's progressed in his Christian life. He's not a baby Christian anymore. He's well reported. He's been serving in the church. He's been, uh, uh, I've had a lot of people that get saved kind of early and, or, or, or get saved and right away they want to jump into ministry. I want to do this and I want to do that. No, no, you don't need to do that. It, don't, it doesn't need to be a novice. And Paul gives him this, this instruction and encouragement later on in his letter to Timothy. He said, be careful of putting a novice in, a, in a, a place of responsibility because it's easy to get lifted up in pride, 
But this is not the case with Timothy. He gets involved. He say, I want to serve God. Well, the best thing you can do after you're saved is get involved with everything you can in the local church. And while you're involved in the local church, God will single you out and put you where he wants you to be. But God won't use a lazy person. Nowhere in the Bible has you found where God would use a lazy person. Everybody he called was already doing something. They were either looking for their father's mule. They were either tending sheep. They were either plowing oxen. They were either fishers of men. They were either tax collecting. They all had a job. Say amen. Anyway, that's just commercial. All right. Look here. Uh, it says in, 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 in your notes, A, write this down. He had a servant's heart. He had a servant's heart. Write that down. That's really important. Look what it says in verse, uh, let's see, <clears throat> verse 19. Verse 19. Are you there? But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus. We know this is Timothy. I'm going to just say Timothy so you know. Timothy, shortly unto you that I make. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Paul is, I meant to do this as a reminder because for all the new people. Paul is sitting in a Roman prison. Does everybody remember this? When he's writing this letter, Paul's sitting in a Roman prison. The church at Philippi, the church of Philippi has heard about his incarceration, and they sent Mr. E, Epaphroditus. They sent Mr. E with a love offering to Rome and to Paul, okay? During that period of time, Mr. E got sick, nine to death, and, and word gets back to the church at Philippi, they were worried to death because he was sick. Now, he, Paul is wanting to send Timothy back to Philippi, He's wanting to send him back as a messenger to, to, you know, to, to help them and be an encouragement to them. And that's kind of where we're at right here. Now, he's recommending Timothy. He says that I want to send Timothy to you. Now, watch what he says in verse 20. For I have no man like-minded. In other words, I have no man that's like Timothy. I have no man around me. Now, there was Christians all over Rome. There was probably hundreds of Christians at that time. But he said, I don't have any that's like Timothy. In what way? What was he saying? Like-minded, who will, come on, who will naturally care for your state? Now, that word naturally there, it means genuinely. In other words, it means he's the real deal. There's a word that's used about Timothy, describing Timothy's faith, unfeigned faith. Paul talks about his unfeigned faith, and unfeigned means genuine. It means real. What he is saying here is that this man, Timothy, he's the real deal. He really cares. I have no man who naturally will care for your state. He is the real deal. I tell you what, there's nothing like getting around real people. There's nothing more miserable than getting around fake people. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Timothy naturally cared for people and was concerned about their needs. He was genuinely interested in their physical and spiritual welfare. It has been said many times, people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's, I, 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 I foreseen, I foreseen, I prophesied out of my chambers today <clears throat> that you would say, well, preacher, I want joy. And I want that submissive mind, but I don't think I have a servant's heart. How many of y'all be honest enough to say you're working on that? 
but we need some work. Come on. Watch. I thought about that. What about those we're not quite there yet? Here's how it's developed. As we walk with God, the love and care for others will be put in us by the Holy Spirit. It is not something that can be worked up or manufactured. Say that with me. It is not something that can... Y'all getting quiet. Come on now. It is not something that can be worked up or manufactured. You can't fake care. You can't fake genuine concern for the souls of men. You cannot fake love for others. You can't do it. You can't. You can try, but it shows. Now, you say, well, I want it to be genuine. I want to be like Timothy. How does that, ha- how does that happen? Look here. It takes prayer and... Come on. It takes prayer and... Now, watch. Read, look at, your, look at your, 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 your scripture there. Matthew 14, 14. You ready? Everybody looking at it? Look what it says. And Jesus... Okay, he went forth. Say that, those two. He went forth. What's the next two? Okay, so he went forth. A great multitude and was moved. So he went forth and saw was moved. With compassion toward them and he healed. So he went forth and saw was moved. He healed. You see how that works? Now watch this. Let's put it to us. Let's put it to us. We must go so we can see. We must see so we can feel. We must feel so we will do. Now watch, watch. He went forth. That's go. You'll never develop a servant's heart sitting on your backside in the recliner. The first word to the Great Commission is not stay. It's not sit. It is go. Go. So, we must go. Okay? When we go, what do we do? We see. So, I don't care about the homeless. Go to them. Travis didn't either till he went to him. He didn't feel till he saw. And he didn't see till he went. Now watch. You go, you see, you feel, then you do. You see how this works? You got to get involved. You got to do something. You can't wait. Oh, I'm just going to wait and I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that the feeling hits me. I'm going to pray that God gives me a servant's heart. No, it don't work that way. It don't work that way. He didn't, hey, if it didn't work that way with Jesus, it's not going to work that way with us. We all want the do part. We all want the do part. But we're waiting on the feel part. Right? I mean, you're not going to do something you don't feel. The Bible says he was moved with compassion. That means there was something on the inside. That was his his heart churning. How many of y'all know when you see something? uh, Tim, a hundred times I've heard you say that some of the times you've seen those little children on that bus route and you just tore your heart out. And you just wanted to 
because it, it does something on the inside when you see a need, when you see a little child that, or, or, or you see someone that's hungry or you see someone that's in a bad way or you see someone with a great need. In other words, on the inside it just turned. That's what it's saying. When Jesus saw the multitude, boy, it stirred him up on the inside. And when it stirred him up, he was moved with compassion. And that word literally means to take action. You felt enough to do something. You know what happens with a lot of Christians? Most of us feel just enough to feel bad about it. Amen? So how are we going to develop this servant's heart? We've got to go. We've got to get involved. We've got we to make an effort. We've got to step up, step out, take a step of faith. We've got to try. Because here, and you say all about this seeing stuff. Hey, it's biblical. The Bible says, mine eye affects my, that's where your feeler is. You go, you see, you see, you feel, you feel, you do. And that's all a process. That's all a process. Don't, don't, don't sit back and say, well, I'm never going to have no joy because I sure don't have no servant's heart. Well, you won't unless you go. But I, 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 how many of you, how many of you have ever been on a missions trip before, out of out of country? Raise your hand, real high. I want to see it. Raise, raise real high. Out of country, out of country, on a missions trip. Okay. How many of you? How many of you? How many of you will say it changed your life? See there. Jeff, you just went to Nepal. Did you come back different? Drastically. You know why? You went. And when you went, you saw. And when you saw, it moved you. And what have you been doing ever since you've been back? You've been doing something about the matili, the, the, the mightily. Right? So, if we're going to have a servant's heart, we've got to go. We've got to do something. Now, I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you to go to Nepal. I may tell you to go to Holly Pond. <clears throat> right? We're missionaries wherever we are, so don't make the excuse, well, I can't go out of the country, you know, I'm on probation. Well, go where you can go. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> Steve, I don't, I don't, I don't, don't. Start a jail ministry, whatever you need to do, amen. Is it hot in here? I don't... Travis, you going to finish this outline, son? <laughs> All right. <coughs> Did I give you number one yet? <clears throat> he, <laughs> he genuinely cared. He genuinely cared. Number two, he was unselfish. He was unselfish. Look what it says. He says, <clears throat> verse 21, for all... Now, now verse 20, verse 20 says... Paul is saying there's other Christians around, but they're not like Timothy. They won't care for you like Timothy. They won't have genuine care for you like Timothy. He says, because they seek their own. This is the exact opposite of what he is teaching in chapter 1 and in verse 3 and 4 of chapter 2. But this is not the way Timothy was. He was unselfish. Paul was concerned about the church at Philippi and wanted to send someone to convey his concern 
and get the facts. There were certainly hundreds of Christians in Rome, and, you know, Paul makes a list of them there in Romans 16, but he says this about them. They all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. In a very real sense, all of us live in either Philippians 1.21 or 2.21. We're either going to live a life that says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, or we're going to live a verse that says, for all seek their own and not the things which are Jesus Christ. Which one will you choose? I will have to say this. There's been times I wanted one and I chose the other. But I do want to submit and say, God, help me. Help me be a Philippians 121 guy. That's what I want to be. Amen? I want to be unselfish. I want to put others first. Then number three, he, he not only genuinely cared. Number two, he was unselfish. Number three, he was sacrificial. He was sacrificial. There's something about, there's something about Timothy that we see in Acts chapter number 16. And this is, this is it's, it's a bit crude, but we see that this is important. It says in Acts 16, uh, verse number 2, Timothy, Timothy was not a Jew. His mother was a Jew, but his father was a Greek. His father was a Gentile. Uh, his father didn't follow the, the, the Jewish biblical ceremonial laws of, of, of the rites and, and the, the feasts and the, and the ceremonies, the, the, uh, the, the circumcision that would happen with a Jewish baby. Uh, but look what it says. It says in Acts chapter 16, verse 2, it says he was well reported. Verse 1 says his mother was a Jewess and, and believed, but his father was a Greek. Now watch what it says in verse 3. Him, Timothy, would Paul have to go forth with him? In other words, he says, I want you to be my helper. I want you to be my assistant. I want you to go on this missionary journey with me. I want you to be a missionary too. He said Paul would have him to go with him and took him and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters for they knew all that his father was a Greek. Now, what's so significant about that? We know, according to the book of Acts, if you remember, the early church, there was a, there was a problem. There was a squabble, a fight, if you will, uh, between what were the, the group of teachers that was called Judaizers. In other words, there was a group that was running around and saying, you have to believe in Christ, but you have to also follow the law of Moses. And they were trying to mix law with grace. And they were saying, yes, Jesus is real. Yes, Jesus died for our sin. Yes, you must believe in Jesus. But you also got to do everything that Moses said too. And we know that that's not true. We know for by grace you say through faith that not of yourself it is the gift of God. We know it's by grace and through faith. Say amen right there. And, and they had this big conference about it, and, and, and they come to the conclusion, you did not have to become a Jewish proselyte to be saved. You didn't have to become Jewish to be saved. Gentiles could get saved strictly and just primarily by faith in Jesus Christ. Say amen right there. So knowing that, knowing that, we look at this situation and say, why in the world would Paul do that to Timothy if it was not required for salvation? And then he gives the answer. He says, because of the Jews that were in that quarter. In other words, the people they were going to reach, the people they were going to preach, to keep from being a stumbling block, to keep anybody from saying anything about it, he was willing to go through something very, very painful to be able to get the gospel to those who don't have it. Now watch what it says. Watch what it says in your, in your notes. In 1 Corinthians 9, 13... <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 9, 13. 
For though I be free from all men, this is Paul speaking, and, and, and by the way, if, you'll, if you will read the end of chapter 8 and all of chapter 9, you will find out this whole mentality that Paul's talking about, what he was willing to give up so the gospel could get abroad and so the gospel could get out. He says, For though I be free from all men, yet I have made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. And, 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 and let's, let's hang on, hang on, before you flip, before you flip, look at me, look at me, look at me. I don't want, I don't want you to check out on this. Uh, I didn't have to do none of this, Paul says. I didn't have to give up anything. I have complete freedom and liberty in Christ. I have a right to all of the things listed in this particular chapter in Corinthians. He said, but I did it for the gospel's sake. I did it not to be offense. I did it so I could spread the gospel and nobody could hold anything. It, I would have no hindrance whatsoever. We would have free reign with the gospel. And Timothy went through this procedure so nobody could say anything about his father being a Greek. Nobody could hold any. They had no reason whatsoever to hold anything back. He could preach the gospel in freedom. It was simply he showed sacrificial love to those he was sharing the gospel with. And I'm telling you, we need to understand that is big time. He is willing to go through something so painful, so difficult, simply that he could get the gospel out. And let's apply that to today. And we've got people that won't come to church because it's raining. And we make excuse after excuse after excuse. And, and we'll be a servant as long as it's convenient. We'll be a servant as long as it don't require much. We'll be a servant as long as... But what if it requires something painful? What are we going to do when it costs us something to be a servant? Are we willing... Are we willing to be submissive even to the point of sacrificial to be obedient to God? Are you with me? Say amen. amen. Page number two. Oh, boy. We'll never get to Mr. Eden. <laughs> Listen, he had, he had a servant's heart. And I believe he had a servant's heart because he had a servant's training. He had a servant's training. Paul, Paul brags, Paul brags about his mama and his grandmama. Thank God for praying mamas and praying grannies. He said, he said in, in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, <clears throat> let, me, let me read the notes, let me read the notes. Paul did not add Timothy to his team the very day the boy was saved. Paul was too wise to make an error like that. He left him behind to become a part of the church fellowship, and it was in that fellowship that Timothy grew in spiritual matters and learned how to serve the Lord. When Paul returned to that area a few years later, he was happy to discover that young Timothy was now a well-reported disciple amongst the brethren. So now he chooses to take him with him. But let's, let's, let's talk about this. Let's talk about his training. Number one, write this down. He had an early training. <clears throat> he had an early training. And you remember, we're going to talk about Timothy, but, but Mr. E's a lot different than, than Timothy. He had an early training. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 
Verse 14, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a... That from a... Thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Why do you think all these rooms are full of youngins? Because we need some Timothys. It's never too young. I, I really need to preach this on Sunday morning so everybody else has got youngins in here will start bringing their youngins. They need to know this from a child. They need to know about Jesus from a child. They need to know about servanthood from a child. They need to know about submitting to the will of God from a child. From a child. He had early training. Number two, he had parental training. The Bible says, when I call to remember, this is 2 Timothy 1, 5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned, that means real, genuine, sure enough faith, that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, I am persuaded that is in thee also. Now, what do we take from that? Ladies and gentlemen, if all the spirituality your kids get is here at this church, they're bankrupt. I have seen so many kids. There were so many kids that I went to church with my whole life. I'm talking about my whole life that are either dead or in jail or out the, nowhere near church, nowhere near church. And they had the same preaching, same Sunday school, but the problem was that what went home was not the same as what went to church. You can't say amen at church in other words at home and expect little Johnny to turn out all right. Because little Johnny is going to think, something's wrong with this. And little Johnny is going to be more like the six-day you than the Sunday you. Amen? He had parental training. Parental training. <clears throat> and I, let me say this, too. Uh, it, it don't mean you've got to be perfect. It doesn't mean you've got to be perfect. God knows ain't nobody perfect. But I tell you this, this is something I had to learn a long time ago. I hope I, 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 I wasn't good at it in the beginning. I hope I got better at it later on. Is that when you do screw up, apologize. I'm talking about to your children. When you do mess up, get right with them. Right away. Because if you don't, you're going to look like a big hypocrite. And there's nothing that turns children, especially teenagers, away than a hypocrite. Anyway, all right, he had early training. Number two, he had parental training. Number three, this is really important, he had discipleship training. He had a mentor. Paul says in Philippians 2.22, But ye know the proof of him, the proof of him, that as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. In other words, he didn't just go to class, he had on-the-job training. He had on-the-job training. And the point I'm making here is that one of the greatest ways you can get closer to Christ and become what you need to do is on-the-job training. It's serving in the local church. It's being involved. It's doing something. So, preacher, I've tried something, and it just ain't me. Try something else. Try something else. Keep on trying. Do you find what you, what you fit in? What, what, it'll click one day, and it'll be what you want it to be. Amen? He had discipleship training. Paul gave him time to get his roots down, and, and then he enlisted the young man to work with him on his missionary tours. 
He taught Timothy the word and permitted him to watch the apostle in his ministry. This was the way that Jesus trains his disciples. He gave personal instruction balanced by on-the-job experience. Experience without teaching can lead to discouragement. Say that with me. Experience without teaching can lead to discouragement. And teaching without experience can lead to spiritual deadness. It takes both. I can't tell you how many, how many times that a, a, a preacher or a pastor will call that's never been trained and, 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 and never had any, anybody to kind of take them under their wing and, and, and frustrated. Just frustrated, just trying. Uh, Brother Travis was sharing, sharing uh, uh, he just sat for hours with, with a, a, a young pastor and, and, and trying to help and encourage, but he just didn't have anybody to kind of pull him through. And, and, and man, that's, that, that's, that's sad. That's sad. We, we have to be able to look at others and help them and meet their needs. God will give you what you need so you can help somebody with what they need. Always remember this. There's always people coming behind us. Always. No matter who you are, somebody's watching you. Now, what are we going to do with them? Amen? Discipleship training. Five minutes. Okay, let's finish it. We can finish the first part anyway. All right? He had a servant's heart. He had a servant's training. But thank God he had a servant's reward. <clears throat> he had a servant's reward. Timothy knew something about sacrifice and service. Sacrifice and service, that's verse 17. He said, yea, if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. Isn't it amazing? You have two really intense words, service and sacrifice. Two, two words a lot of Christians don't want to use, much less, much less apply. But look what he put in the same verse. He used the word joy and rejoice in the same, in the same word. So Paul, Timothy knew something about this. He had watched Paul go through difficulty. He had watched Paul be beaten. He had, he had watched Paul being arrested. He had experienced the highs and the lows of ministry. But he, he was there to see people as they would, they would usher Paul out of town and people would weep on his shoulder with, with brotherly love and, and, and missing him and their heart to that. Man, he, he experienced it all. Now, what reward, what joy did he have? Number one, number one, Timothy had the joy of helping others. He had the joy of helping others. <clears throat> you say, preacher, what joy is that? Obviously, you ain't never done that. Because if I have to explain it to you, 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 just, you just never have. Because if you've ever really truly helped somebody, gone out of your way to help somebody, you know you got the bigger blessing than they did. I, let's see what day was it. Friday. I was coming down the road. I was coming down the road, and I, I, saw, I, saw, a car, I saw a car with his flashers blinking. And I just went on by, and... Uh, and, and, and then I just like right there, boom, there was a guy, and uh, he, he, he saw me, and he was hitchhiking. And, it, and I went by kind of fast, and then it registered in my head, that's probably the dude with the flashing lights. And, and so I said, well, all right. So I turned around. He looked kind of harmless. He was a little fellas. So I figured I could take him. Amen? <clears throat> if he wasn't packing, I don't know. But 
So I pulled back around and, and, uh, and uh, I stopped where he was. And he said, man, I have run out of gas. He says, you got a gas can? I said, no. I said, but the church is right up there. I said, I'm sure we can get a can of gas right there or a gas can. And uh, so he got in and, and I, I start talking to him. You know, you get somebody. He's a captured audience. Say amen. <clears throat> so uh, so we, we, we're in there and I asked him, I said, I said, man, you get to go to church anywhere? And uh, he said, no. He said, I don't go to church. I said, man, have I got the church for you? And he said, I live in Burnsville, Mississippi. I said, man, I don't have the church for you. <laughs> Just like that. And he laughed. We, we sat, pulled in and got a gas can, went up there. And, and about the time uh, uh, I got the gas can uh, uh, out of the barn, my gas light come on. <clears throat> and he looked over right there. I said, we'll make it, buddy. We'll make it. So we get up there, and I carry him back. And, man, that was, that was, that was great. I had no idea the guy was living in Burnsville, Mississippi, and he, he, had, he had to go do some kind of electrical job, and it was, it was one of them things where he just had to go and put a piece in at a factory, and then that's all he had to do, and then go back home, and here he is on the side of the road, and he, I got a bigger blessing out of it than he did. And you see, one of the things that, 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 that Timothy got to experience is all of those times he was able to help somebody. How much of a joy do you think it was for me to stand down there and pray with all them people to come forward and got saved? Praying with them people in, 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 in the first time at tender area over there. And the stories they were telling. One of them, listen, different ones that got saved. And one of them that got saved and said, man, my, 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 my son needs to get saved. And my, my husband needs to get saved. And my, man, I said, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You know they got it when they want somebody else to get it. Man, that just thrills my soul. There's something about the joy of helping others. Timothy had the joy of helping others. Number two, he had the joy of serving with a great apostle. He had the joy of serving with a great apostle Paul. Paul, he assisted Paul on some of the most difficult assignments that he had. Can you imagine the stories Timothy got to tell his grandchildren? Can you imagine? Unbelievable. Number three, and we're done, 40 seconds. He not only had the joy of helping others, he had the joy of serving with the great apostle Paul. He was chosen to be Paul's replacement. How'd you like to step in them shoes? Paul himself wanted to go to Philippi, but he had to send Timothy in his place. What an honor. Timothy was not only Paul's son and Paul's servant, but he became Paul's substitute. His name is held in high regard by Christians today, and something that young Timothy never dreamed of when he was busy serving Christ. The submissive mind, read this with me. The submissive mind is not the... Come on, come on, come on, help me. The submissive mind is not the product of an hour sermon or a week's seminar, or even a year's service. Watch this. The submissive mind, read it with me, the submissive mind grows in us, like Timothy, we yield to the Lord and seek to serve others. Preacher, what's the point of this? I know we didn't get to Mr. E, we'll get to him next week, but here's the thing, we can do this. It's not going to happen overnight. Not going to happen from one Bible study sermon outline. But the more of this we do, the more of this we study, 
the more this we practice and the more involved we get in helping others, we're going to develop that to the point one day you're going to experience joy and you don't even know why you're happy. And all hell's going to break loose in your life and you don't even know why you're not sad. In the midst of a storm, you're going to experience joy because you've developed a servant's heart. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, listen here. Don't forget about this Sunday. 